Hello, listeners. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely going through a divorce or thinking about it. And if so, you are not alone. Over a million people get divorced in the United States every year. But we know that divorce can be an extremely complex and expensive process, especially if you have to hire a lawyer and spend a lot of time in court. And that's where Hello Divorce comes in. Hello Divorce is an online divorce platform that makes it easy and affordable to get a divorce yourself. With Hello Divorce, you can complete the entire divorce process online, in your own home, and at your own pace. They offer a variety of features to help you get through your divorce, including easy-to-use online forms and guides, a step-by-step walkthrough of the divorce process, and access to experienced divorce professionals for help and support. So if you're thinking about getting a divorce, I encourage you to check out Hello Divorce. The founder, Erin Levine, is a friend of mine, and I honestly admire what she has created with Hello Divorce so much. This platform is the change we need in the divorce industry. You can hear Erin explain more in her episode on the podcast entitled The FYI on DIY Divorce. I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes for you. So you can get more information, resources, and support at hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond. And if you use the code beyond, you'll get $100 off your service. So go to hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. It's ignorant to say to someone, well, he didn't you know, hurt you or I don't see that you're injured, Right. I think the more we tell these stories, the more people realize, oh, wow, that could be me, or actually, it is me right now. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host and listeners. We have another edition in our October is Domestic Awareness Month series. Uh, All this month is dedicated to talking about issues around domestic violence, domestic abuse, intimate partner abuse, coercive control. They all, you know, fall under an umbrella. Um, We've talked with Dr. Christine Cocciola in the first edition about coercive control. Dr. Christine is so amazing. We've had financial abuse. Lila Ali was just on talking about why you need to go beyond the label of narcissist if that's what you're dealing with. And I have another one of our uh, favorite guests who has come back to help me on this topic. She just released another fabulous article in Ms. Magazine. Now you know who I'm talking about for my my, um, 
ongoing listeners, but Amy Polacco is back. She uh, is a divorce coach, an empowerment coach, Freedom Warrior Tribe is her tribe. And she's also very importantly, a journalist, an investigative journalist. In fact, as she knows, one of my favorite things about her is that her nickname is Pitbull Polacco. Um, and that is because she is a very gifted journalist. Um, I was just saying this to her. She has a wonderful ability to take the the topics that are of the moment and really dive beneath them to get to the core issues that we, especially as women um, and those who are facing um, issues in the family court and beyond. She's she's reported on a variety of issues, but the ones that are of spe- special interest to us are those that are dealing with domestic uh, abuse and intimate partner abuse. So Amy is back with me. I'm delighted that you're here. Amy, thank you so much for coming back for this special series. Thank you, Susan. You know, I'm always thrilled to be here and I enjoy the nickname. And, <laughs> and I tell everyone that you know, I was a full-time journalist years ago, and after my experience as a domestic abuse survivor and surviving family court, I got back to journalism. We all have a healing journey, right? And for me, it has been one that I've been able to use these skills, and I used to be a full-time investigative reporter, you know, went to Columbia Journalism School. That was my career path for a while, and um, I feel like I'm helping in a small way to shine a light on some of these issues. So thank you for having me. Thank you for everything you are doing this month with our divorce coalition you started. It's just incredible. Uh, we all owe you a great deal. Well, I thank you. But I, I, I think that it's one thing to be doing things in the month of October. I want to raise that awareness. You are a constant in the world of trying to shine this light of awareness and hope. Um, you just mentioned you are a survivor yourself. So many of us come to this space because we are survivors ourselves and want to let others know so importantly that they are not alone and that they can come out in the beyond, beyond abuse, beyond merit, you know, bad merit, whatever those things are. So I do want my listeners to remember you have two other wonderful episodes on the podcast that we will link to. One's called Get Wise to the Tricks and Traps of Toxic People, all those T's, <laughs> avoiding narcissists and sociopaths in your life. And then we also had a special bonus episode called Empowered, how a new family court law is and isn't helping some victims of intimate partner violence, which was based on another one of your articles. So those will be linked that you can all go to. But today you came up with a wonderful idea, and I'm really delighted to do this because we're going to bust five of the most prominent myths around domestic abuse. And I think that this is really at a very high level what we need to do. Everybody needs to know that these are prominent myths and they need to be busted. And so by listening to this episode, this in a very small way is information or in a big way that we should be raising awareness about so that we don't perpetuate these myths because they cause incredible harm. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, But first, I know you had recently kind of a viral reel talking about your own journey. um, And I thought it might be helpful for people to hear a little bit of that. So if you could share that, and then I'll link to the reel as well in the show notes, listeners. 
Sure. And I think that as we explore today, Susan, how domestic violence or domestic abuse is not always physical, right? My story highlights this because I was meeting with my attorney about my case. And as everyone knows, you have to give your background. And as I'm going through the details, she basically stopped me in my tracks and said, Amy, you need to go to the local women's center. And I was a little surprised. And she said, this is abuse, right? I didn't have a black eye. I didn't have a broken bone or a bruise. And it really does not matter, right? And that really opened my eyes. And I ended up in a support group at the Women's Center where I continue to speak now and give back, uh, sharing my story. And I spoke at one of their big fundraising breakfasts, which was a big step for me in front of 300 people telling my story. But I think we've got to validate this. and. Um, Hopefully someone in your life, if you're experiencing this, validates it for you the way I was lucky that attorney did for me. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I know listeners, you remember Dr. Kojiola mentioned in her episode at the beginning of the month, she was a prof- she is a mental health professional specializing in this area. And she was a college professor teaching in this area while she was going through domestic abuse and did not realize she herself was a victim in that moment. And, you know, that's how insidious and pervasive that this is. And that's part of what we will be talking about today. But go watch Amy's reel on this. She tells you a little bit more of her story. And I think that there's, you know, there's a great deal of impact in hearing stories. And as you just pointed out, Amy, there's a lot of power in sharing our stories as well. It's But it's hard to do. You said it was a big step for you. It It is hard to talk about. Exactly. And look, I'm a public speaker, you know, and it was hard for me. I think that, but you know, there's this saying that every time a woman tells her story, she heals someone else. Right. And so we have to remember that we can do this. And some of the women I write about and in my articles are not in the position of sharing their names and that's fine. The stories can still be extremely powerful without you compromising your identity. Right. Or your safety. I mean, it can be a safety issue to to reveal your identity or the identifying facts of your case. Right. There are reasons why you might not want to do that. You know, I have one colleague who is a very, very well-known and, and well-respected um, family law attorney, beautiful, educated, dynamic, all of those things. But she will come in private sessions and speak about the fact that she is was a victim of intimate partner violence. And it's an incredibly powerful moment but it because she does not like many of us don't look doesn't look like the face of abuse but it's not something she feels safe or comfortable putting out on a larger scale so we ask that people not share it so i only mention it you know again with no identifying details but you know there are ways to share your story you don't always it's maybe not always being able to put it out on a reel but but sharing the facts shining a light that's what we're doing and we're going to shine a light as i said right now on these five and i will say they are pervasive they are really prominent um we've already kind of touched on a couple of them but let's d- dive deeper the first one comes out of the fantastic article you just did for ms magazine i mean you've done a ton of fantastic articles from Ms. But this one just came out this month. Um, and it's the the myth of the hysterical woman, I'm going to call it. Tell us, tell us what you mean. 
the underlying stereotype is that she's lying, right? She's just emotional. And one thing I could not fit in the article, but I should have uh, said is, you know, we've all heard this before, right? Like, is it that time of the month for you, you know, kind of thing? Or, you know, in our society, like women being emotional or more emotional than men. And, you know, this stereotype, I use the example of fatal attraction. We've all seen that movie, right? And it may seem crazy and extreme, but there are, you know, some building blocks there that remain in our society and play out in family court. Because in this case, I had a, a doctor, a woman who could not reveal her name saying, I had all this evidence about abuse and I wasn't believed. And the only conclusion I can come to is it's gender related, right? And and had I have several experts in the article who, who talk about this um, a little bit more. Well, and I think it's interesting because I will tell you as a family law professional being in courtrooms, there is a paradigm where I think it's just in many ways, people not understanding how the trauma of abuse manifests itself, right? So because this is something that you will see in a courtroom, and and that's where I've most often seen this, but you see someone who has been a victim of abuse, and they actually do appear quite frantic, right? Or quite distressed, quite upset, loud, uh, gesticulating, jumping up and shouting, that's not true, whatever these things might be, right? They can be very, very animated. And it comes across in that courtroom, perhaps, to someone who doesn't understand that these are manifestations of, of being the trauma of being abused, that that's what is happening. And then flip side, go look at the other table, the abusers calm, cool, and collected, and they're actually probably enjoying this. This is playing, right? It's one of the reasons why they love the drama of a courtroom in many cases. And so part of it, don't you think, is is educating our professionals, including our attorneys, our judges, our court system. You know, you had an attorney, I'll tell you, it's a rare thing, who understood your abuse when you're not presenting with a black eye or a broken arm. Um, so I feel like that is a part of this paradigm. Absolutely. And well said, as usual, Susan. Suzanne Zakour in Canada wrote uh, a research study uh, called Crazy Women and Hysterical Mothers um, in Custody Disputes. And she, I interviewed her for my article and she said, yes, judges are suspicious, right? And they think because a woman or could be a man, but it's usually a woman, right, who's acting that way who is a victim of abuse, it's assumed that they're unhinged and not stable. And then the abuser is actually able to take advantage of that and seem like the reasonable parent, right? And so a lot of what I do in coaching when I have clients in that situation is we all think we're going to show up to family court, tell our story, it's going to be believed and we could just be who we are. And you really have to temper that sadly, right? So I do think education is is a huge thing. And, you know, the other thing that Suzanne Zakur said is that the second part of this is that there's almost like a cognitive dissonance among judges, she thinks, because it's easier to accept that the women's crazy. 
instead of there are actually this many men who are violent and abusive, right? We, we, none of us want to believe that, right? Right. It can't be this prevalent, right? So they default, like, how could every other person be an abuser here? Right. Right. But she pointed out they're seeing cases with a lot of conflict. They're not seeing the ones that are mediated. Right. The ones where people are able to, to keep it together or they don't have that abuse. And I just want to throw in here, you know, the statistics, I'm just going to say the statistics say what one in three women are abused in a relationship. One in 10 men, I want to point out men are also abused. So, you know, it goes, but it's one in 10 men, one in three women. And that's what we know about because frankly, it's an underreported issue. It's an, a misunderstood issue where people aren't classified as being abused. As we know, people have a hard time defining what domestic abuse is. So at least one in three is, you know, admittedly an abuse situation. And I think that you make a very good point here. And I think that this is something I want my listeners really to hone in on. I talked about educating the court system, the attorneys, et cetera. I do think that that's important and people tend to really focus there and put a lot of blame there as well. And, and, you know, that's that as it is, but you point out that if you are the victim going into the courtroom situation or going into the situation, there's also education that you need to have to get through that system or to work within that system. And that's one of the things you do with your clients. Absolutely. I, I was a babe in the woods who you know Most showed up, and, right? Thought, okay, I'm just going to, you know, and some of the things that happened blew my mind. And I think that many of us, including I think Angelina Jolie has said this, once you see what happens in some family courtrooms, you you're never the same. You have to do something about it. You can't, you can't walk away. So yes, I think it's important to know that. And and on the male issue, I have some male clients, you know, who after I had a, a column in the Huffington Post in the summer, you know, some of them reached out to me and said, this is me. And they're experiencing the same abuse, you know, so it's not just women. Yeah, no, I I will say one anecdote from my practice of, of so long. I had one divorce in Connecticut that was entered on fault grounds, right? Not mo- Usually it's no fault. I only had one divorce that entered on fault grounds in 30 years and it was for intolerable cruelty, which is, is in this case, it was physical abuse. And it was the wife had physically abused the husband. Um, and that was, you know, so it happens. We know it happens. So if we're saying in this podcast, he does this and she does that, it, it may be that we're going with the preponderance of cases. But please recognize this can go both ways. Although I will say that the hysterical woman trope does not go both ways. You don't see judges or, or courts or hear about it in, in, in the press or in movies, popular movies, like, like you noted. You don't see the hysterical man. You see, may see the vengeful or the scary or the abusive. You, you certainly see that, but you don't see that Glenn Close boiling a bunny type of behavior in popular, popular media. Right. That's that's exactly the case. And I think, you know, part of this is rooted in, you know, she's been wronged and betrayed, perhaps this idea that she wants revenge after, you know, there's been infidelity or he's gone on to another relationship, which is not always the case. Judges in some ways think 
think it's an easy one for, it's an easy card for a woman to throw, right? In, in general, we're not as strong. Domestic abuse is more often perpetrated by men on women, but it should be in a court system. It should be looked at based on the facts of what's actually happening. You mentioned the doctor that you talked about had all of her facts lined up, was putting all of the information out there, but felt like the judge was discounting her facts based upon a presumption that wasn't in evidence, right? That wasn't part of, of what was going on. And, and, you know, face it, folks, our judges are people too. Um, and they bring their own biases and um, beliefs into that system, you know, whether they should or not. I, I, it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation. I know there's a lot of blame that gets heaped on our judges as well. And I will say, you know, I've also been in cases where the abuse card was played and it was not true. So, you know, you do see it. And that, by the way, if you're one of the people doing that, stop it because you are hurting everyone who is actually suffering from abuse. That is not a card that you play. Exactly. Thank you for saying that. And the last thing I just want to point out to listeners is that, you know, we've mentioned before, I've mentioned it in all of my other Ms. articles you know, Joan Mayer's study um, from George Washington University Law School, where, you know, she looks at half of women are treated seriously when they bring up abuse claims in custody cases, 41%. So it, we're not making this up. The stats are there. Right. So, you know, and, and we can link to that as well in the show notes. That's actually a fantastic resource. So thank you. Listeners, as October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I wanted to make sure that you know that we have created the Divorce Coalition to promote awareness of both domestic violence and domestic violence recovery. We are here to inspire healing and change. We are the voice of many. The Divorce Coalition is made up of all your favorite podcasters, bloggers, influencers, and more. And we join together to raise awareness and provide information and resources to fight the epidemic of domestic abuse in our world. Founded by Beverly Price of Her Empowered Divorce, Kate Anthony of the Divorce Survival Guide, and me, Susan Guthrie, we have gathered together our friends and colleagues to amplify our voices, to reach as many people as possible. So I encourage you to visit the coalition webpage at www.divorcecoalition.com to find resources, including the many podcast episodes and blog articles that are on topic from all our members, as well as many other ways to help, donate, and find assistance. Together, we can make a difference and we can let domestic violence survivors know that they are not alone. So go to www.divorcecoalition.com and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at Divorce Coalition page. Are you thinking about divorce, struggling in the middle of it, or unhappy with life after? Do you ever find yourself feeling angry, overwhelmed, confused, lonely, or sad? Well, that's completely normal, but there's good news. You are not alone. I've been there and help is available. I'm Beverly Price, host of the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast, and with my 30-plus years of divorce coaching experience, I help women navigate divorce and build more fulfilling lives after. 
Every week on my podcast, I feature industry-leading guests who share their experience and provide actionable tips. I offer valuable insights and empowering strategies that will help you regain your confidence and create the life you deserve just like I did in my divorce. So join me every Wednesday morning as we release a new episode of the Her Empowered Divorce podcast at herempowereddivorce.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And on Mondays, listen to Susan Guthrie on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Together, we bring you guidance and information from the legal to financial to emotional to parenting. It helps you gain even more knowledge than from just my podcast alone. Empower yourself by subscribing today to both the Her Empowered Divorce and the Divorce and Beyond podcasts. Stand tall. Remember, information is power, so never miss an episode. Stay tuned for more from Amy Pitbull Palacco, divorce and empowerment coach and investigative journalist who is here to help me bust the top five myths about domestic abuse. Why it's so hard to leave. We have to put ourselves in victims' shoes, right? There are so many reasons it's difficult. You may not have the resources to leave. You may not have family nearby. You could be scared for your safety and your children. And that's not an irrational fear because women who leave uh, find themselves in the most dangerous period when they decide to go. If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show featuring the founder of Split FYI, Lila Aitken Ali, who explains why you need to stop calling your ex a narcissist. If you are and you do think you're up against a narcissist, then you know that they have a certain ego. Feed it a little bit. Who cares? Use it to your advantage. Be smart about it. You like, you know, you're like, you know what? Doesn't cost me anything to be like, oh, complimentary. Oh, you're a great you know, what a great mom. Oh, what a great dad. Oh, that's amazing. Thanks for doing that. Or blah, blah, blah. You know, something that you can soften the communication channel so that you really can think in the thing that you really wish that you can accomplish or have from them. And now we return to today's show. We could talk about this for the entire episode, but I want to make sure we hit all our myths. Uh, because they're, it's actually equally important to bust them all. And this one is another one uh, and very, very pervasive. The why didn't she or he just leave? If it was that bad, why didn't they just leave? If someone says that, I'm going to direct them to watch the Netflix series Made, which I did a Ms. article on, I don't know, a year or two ago now. I think it did an, an amazing job of portraying why it's so hard to leave, right? We have to put ourselves in victims' shoes, right? There are so many reasons it's difficult. You know, in many cases, as you know, Susan, women are giving up their financial independence. And I know you and I feel strongly about this and we want women to have their own income. And But if you're in that situation and you've given that up, right, you may not have the resources to leave. You may not have family nearby. You could be scared for your safety and your children. And that's not an irrational fear because women who leave uh, find themselves in the most dangerous period when they decide to go. Like we see this with post-separation abuse. You know, uh, uh, one figure I read was 
they're 500 times more at risk when they leave. So, and it takes on average seven times right. for an abuse to leave. And, and for good reason. Hey, I went back too. Uh, because it's like, you're, you just want it all to go away. You just, people just want a calm and peaceful life, right? And so you you start bargaining. Well, maybe it's not that bad. Well, he was nicer today. Well, where will I go? And the fear is such a powerful emotion. And I work with so many clients, helping them get their ducks in the row. So they have that confidence and power to know, all right, this may not be easy, but staying could destroy me. You know, and that's a decision they have to make. I can't, none of us can make that for them, right? You know, it's like tackling these roadblocks one by one. Yeah. It's such an insidious, you know, process, especially with coercive control and all the under, you know, the uh, Dr. Um, Cochiola described it as the carpenter ants eating away at the foundation of the house. And it happens slowly over time. All of a sudden the house collapses, right? The, that is what has happened here. And you pointed out, you know, so many victims of abuse have been separated from financial independence. They don't have the money to leave. They don't have the means to leave. There's there's control over the children. Or let me just point out the pets. This is a, That is another area where abusers will use. And a lot of, unfortunately, shelters don't have facilities that will allow you to bring your pet with you to safety. So I've had women who have stayed in abusive situations because they didn't want to leave their beloved pet behind. I mean, so there's, and I just say that as one little example of how complicated this is. And it is, it's really important for people to know and understand leaving is when you, that when the abuse ramps up, because you're leaving means you're, they're losing the control. And so they will ramp up whatever they are doing. It is the most dangerous time. This is when it, you know, because we all know abuse can turn to homicide. And this is when that happens most often. You hear about the guy who grabs the gun and goes to the, you know, the partner's workplace and, you know, does something there. I mean, those things happen. And so you need to have a, a safe plan of exit. And that takes time and planning. And I know you just said you, that's something that you do with clients as well. Precisely. And I think if you are someone in this situation, you need a team, you need family, friends, you know, it's not a time to be embarrassed. It's a time to ask for help and support your local shelters, you know, a, a coach, you know, consulting an attorney, um, and if you are someone who has not gone through this and you are a, f a friend or a family member of someone who has, the best thing you can do is validate them and believe them, right? They are not being hysterical <laughs> to bring back that word. You know, they, this is real. This is a real danger and, and they need you. So I hope that listeners who have not been through this do their part to help those in crisis. Yeah. I think that's really a key to why we're talking about this, right? Because the people who have been through it, we're just talk, preaching to the choir there. We're, we're talking to you if you're thinking any of these things are actually true. Listen to what we're saying about it. Find out more and be there if someone in your life needs this sort of help. And that's often the reaction. This goes to the next myth, really. Often the reaction is that so many victims find when they do reach out for help is, well, you don't have, there's no black eye, there's no broken arm, there's no, you never went to the emergency room, you never called the police. Is, is it, is it domestic abuse? Are you really a victim? 
And these are the archaic definitions of domestic abuse, right? And so I think, you know, much like I discovered I was actually a victim. I knew it was wrong. I knew what was happening was terrible, but I had never put that name on it, right? And so I think we are experiencing a movement. Um, another story I wrote from Ms. was on um, Alice Darling, the movie who has the star from Pitch Perfect on there, Anna. Um, and she talks about, at first, she can't even believe it's abuse. Like, well, he didn't hit me or anything, right? And so the protagonist and maid said the same thing, right? And so it goes both ways, but we have to recognize that this is abuse. Dr. Cotiola is a friend and colleague. She is the best to talk about coercive control. Her episode with you was fantastic as usual. It's intimidation. It's sexual coercion. It's financial abuse. It's all about control. So little by little, you know, or ever since the beginning of the marriage or relationship, they hold the purse strings for a reason, right? I have women who have no access to bank accounts, have no idea if their name's on the house, can't get cash, can't have to beg for an allowance for $20 to have lunch with a friend at a diner or something. I mean, so that's how bad it is. Stalking, cyber stalking these oh, yeah. days, right? Control through cyber stalking. Absolutely. Yep. Verbal abuse, all of these things, um, you know, are, are addressed, thankfully, by more legislation. We've seen a handful of states and that episode we did in Power talks about Connecticut's Jennifer's Law that validates this is abuse. It's ignorant to say to someone, well, he didn't, you know, hurt you or I don't see that you're injured, right? I think the more we tell these stories, the more people realize, oh, wow, that could be me or actually it is me right now. Right, right. If you And if you are Starting to see that, you know, I will just say there will be resources in the show notes as well for you to reach out and go to the divorcecoalition.com page because we have more resources there for you. If you're hearing things here that are making you think, oh my goodness, wait a minute, you know, this is sounding a little too familiar to my life. And there's another, I mentioned my colleague who's a very successful uh, from the outside, you know, very well educated, very successful dynamic woman. And one of the things that I always hear when she speaks about her experience is, well, you just, you don't look like a, what I think a victim of abuse looks like. You're not, you're not poor. You're not from a, a disadvantaged community. You're not, you know, you're not an uneducated person. How could this happen to you? And I think there is a, a misunderstanding that this is something that only happens in certain communities. It happens to everyone. Anyone can be a victim of abuse, right? Yes. And my clients are across the country from all different economic levels, you know, all different demographics. Um, I live in Fairfield County, Connecticut, <laughs> and we're one of the wealthiest areas in the country. And let me tell you, a lot of my clients are in, are in the top one to three percent of Americans. And there is extreme coercive control situations and abuse. And recently I had one of my clients um, in Massachusetts who is, again, if you saw her, you would say no, has spent nights in jail because 
you know, things were flipped on her and she was accused of being the abuser and arrested. And I'm so proud that she testified in front of the Massachusetts legislature recently telling her story anonymously um, in support of a course of control type bill there and litigation abuse bill. It can happen to anyone. And I think that when when people want to distance themselves from domestic violence, domestic abuse, they hear, well, that's not me. Well, that's not me. Right. The women I held a week ago, they thought it wasn't them. Something egregious happened or they started to take the blinders off and see and they're crying and they are in those shoes. It can happen to anyone. It could be happening to you and you don't even realize it yet. Right. And that's, again, it's not, and it's usually, especially with a, a course of coercive control that has been sort of the pattern of the relationship, which is the most often thing, the most common thing, right? It's not even when someone real, you know, the realization comes that something big happened. It's, it's a cumulative thing because it's, it's, it's not like you mentioned, um, you know, cutting someone off from money. That usually happens over a period, right? Like they start, well, you know what? Let I, I know you don't like numbers. Let me handle the finances and take the bill paying off your, oh, you know, I just moved that over because it was easier for me to pay that out of my separate checking account. So I'm depositing the checks there. Oh, you know, I'm making enough money. Why don't you, you know, quit your job and, and you know, focus on the home? You know, there's certain, I'm not saying that's always an abusive thing, but there's this, this, you know, ongoing way that it's a slippery slope where suddenly you can might find yourself down the road realizing you're having to ask for $20 to go to the diner to have lunch with your friends and you have no access to, you know, leave and go get a hotel room so you can get out of that situation or whatever these things are. And, and so I think that's important for people to realize is, is it may never be that some big thing happens. It may just be that one day you wake up and or someone wakes up and realizes just how out of control their life is um, and usually abuse is at the core of that. Exactly. And I'm so glad you did the episode on financial abuse because it can sound like, oh, honey, I make enough money. You should just relax. You don't need to work so hard, right? It looks like your partner really cares about you. And, you know, uh, that was told to me. Thankfully, I didn't give up the business I had. And I know you and I feel passionately about this, Susan, that if someone stays home with the kids, they should get a salary put into an account. There should be a post, there could be a prenuptial agreement. There could be a postnuptial agreement. agreement. Yep. Yeah, right. So I know we could do, we could go, we better not go off on that. That's a big one. But yes, I mean, there's there's so much to it. Money is power in our world. And so, yes, there, there had to be an episode on financial abuse. But, you know, busting these myths, I, I hope people are hearing and what we're talking about, some thoughts that may have run through their minds in the past or or they've heard other people say, and we're giving you some of the talking points to either talk to yourself or talk to others about this. And I want to end with the one because this is also something that I hear quite often from people, not those of us who are trying to shine the awareness, because so often we are coming at it having been through this, you know, been through abuse ourselves. But I hear from people a lot of time, hey, it's none of my business what goes on in other people's houses. It's, 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 you know, honestly, it's not my house. It's not my problem. 
Right. And as I illustrated, it could be your problem really quickly. I don't know if it was Angelina Jolie or someone said, and I thought it was so profound that Americans have decided that what happens in someone's private home is their business, right? In, in a way. And, and we, we have to care. We have to care. And if you don't care on a human empathic level, guess what? You're paying for this. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, ev- every if you need to be incentivized to care. This is costing you money. <laughs> Exactly. Like uh, intimate partner violence exceeds $8.3 billion a year in the United States. And look, if you're an employer, you're, you know, when you're, your employees out sick, when they're distraught, when they've got child custody issues, it's affecting their ability to work, understandably, right? All of these long drawn out uh, litigation abuse situations in our court system, we're all paying for these systems, right? When a child is struggling or uh, a single mom needs extra help economically, we're paying for that too. Yeah. I mean, it it is an incredibly expensive paradigm that within which we live. We are all, it's also a self-perpetuating cycle and paradigm, right? Because children, we know that children who grow up in abusive homes, physical violence, verbal, coercive control, whatever type of abuse is going on in that home, guess what? Some of them are going to grow up and become the abusers as well. And some are going to grow up and become the abused because they've seen that and they've seen that that is what a relationship looks like. And so the cycle that is costing over, what, $8 billion just in the United States, although I will say to you that the United States is one of the countries that has the biggest problem with domestic abuse. So we're probably one of the countries that has the highest cost to that abuse. It is going to just continue and, to, and get worse if we don't do something not only to stop what's happening now, but to stop it so that it doesn't continue to happen. That is another reason why this light needs to be shined in such a bright and hopefully effective way so that we can break the cycle. So true. And I think I think the numbers are growing. I think as Sandy in my article, who is pushing for Peaky's Law in California, said, it's it's rising to the level here where the United Nations has spoken out about some what's going on in our family court system here that we cannot look away, right? And if you think you can put your head in the sand, you know, it's just a matter of time before your employee, friend, sister, mom, babysitter is going through this and you see it firsthand and it changes your whole view of things or you yourself, yes. right? Right. So um, I, I think the numbers are growing. National Safe Parents Organization is doing a great job of getting, you know, this community together and pushing pushing for reforms that that deal with some of these domestic abuse issues. And so maybe we leave on that note because you're talking about now action or what people can do. What are your suggestions for someone who's listening who wants to you know, help raise the awareness to help break the cycle? What can people do who are listening? Number one, I would say, don't look away, (laughs) you know, be empathetic, right? Keep your eyes and ears open. Someone may say something to a friend that raises, you know, we've all been somewhere where, where a friend has said to us, well, I don't know, you know, Roger won't let me go, or I don't know if he's going to let me go to the girls night or something. And it's, it should be like a little bit of a red flag, right? So take the time to have that conversation with the friends, see what's going on. 
that sort of thing. I think we should be educated on our local level, especially about what's going on in our legislatures. When you're voting (laughs) this year, you know, look at where the candidates stand when it comes to domestic abuse, domestic violence, right? Are they pushing to protect uh, victims and survivors? And, you know, I encourage anyone to join the National Safe Parents Organization because you don't have to be a victim yourself. You could be a supporter um, I know Peaky's Law, which is named for a five-year-old boy who was killed by his abusive father. You know, they have a change.org petition uh, going on now. You know, there are so many ways you can you can be involved and educated. Yeah, I think that's so important. And you've mentioned the legislative attempts. Connecticut, the state in which you're in, where I practiced for so long, has added some laws. You mentioned Jennifer's Law. We also, coercive control has been added as an element for a restraining order. But I think that coercive control is recognized as domestic abuse legally in only five states so far, right? So Dr. Cocciola mentioned that as well. So get involved at the high level with the legislators, find out what's going on in your community, donate to the local or or your time, your money, your efforts, you know, to the local, the local domestic violence shelters, women's organizations, you know, there's always something that you can do. And at the very least, you know what, take this episode and share it out and tell people, you know what, these are five prevalent myths about domestic abuse. It changed my mind about one or none, but I think it's really, or all five, but I think it's really important. Please listen to this. It's really important. And, and, you know, share Amy's, all of Amy's wonderful articles and information. Her resources are phenomenal and her, her articles are so well researched and contain links to everything that she's talking about. We will link to the articles. Local women's organizations, like you said, fantastic. Bring your kids with you guys. Teach them about caring for other people. That's how we break this cycle, right? I think I think that's a really important thing. Yeah, breaking the cycle is at least as important as stopping what's happening right now. Because if we don't break the cycle, if we don't help the next generation of children who are growing up within this cycle of abuse, then it honestly, it's just going to continue. And it has, it has for years. Domestic abuse is not something that has just started happening recently. It is something that, that is really endemic to the human condition. Um, and unfortunately it, 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 it's really well entrenched and we really need uh, to to help break that as much as possible. So Amy, I really thank you so much for coming, helping me shine the light on these five myths. If people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? I've mentioned Freedom Warrior Tribe, but give us the website, the social media, all of the good stuff. My website is Freedom Warrior. Um, dot info and my Instagram handle is Freedom Warrior Tribe. Um, I also run a support group for single and divorcing women called Strong Savvy Women. I have monthly Zoom meetings because I have a free Facebook group. You can find us there. But I have monthly meetings because I have people across the country where we talk about a lot of these issues. It's part support group. It's part speaker. It's about educating, empowering, and supporting each other. Because as you started this episode, Susan, you said, we don't want any woman to feel alone. I also do free 15-minute coaching consultations. You can go to the contact me page on my website. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much, Susan. Well, thank you. And and everyone, you are not alone. There is help. 
reach out, go to the show notes. Links will be there for everything. And again, Amy, thank you for everything you do. I truly appreciate it. And I, as always, appreciate your coming and sharing time with my listeners. Thank you. I hope you'll have Pitbull Polacco back again. (laughs) So everybody, you know, you'll be back. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.